0: Are you tired of doing ministry on your own or trying to figure out everything by yourself? Then we encourage you to go to Marathon Youth Ministries membership site, MYMU. When you enroll in MYMU, we surround and invest in you uh, in many different ways. First, uh, by plugging you into a cohort which is filled with like-minded leaders, and each cohort is led by an experienced parish leader who uh, will ask the right questions, introduce you to new strategies and and ways of thinking to help you build that ministry outside the box and and overcome some of the obstacles that we face. In addition to the cohort, you have access to a growing list of online courses, uh, resources, and other great content. And you're connected to an exclusive community with other youth workers where you could just get to ask those questions that maybe you're afraid to share in, in other areas or forums. So to sign up, For uh, MYMU uh, membership, uh, just go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com backslash MYMU or MarathonYouthMinistry.com and click on membership. And for $35 a month or 385 dollars a year, uh, you will be surrounded with lots of love, encouragement, investment, so that you can grow a healthy ministry that will lead to dynamic, authentic missionary disciples. Check it out. Hey everyone, how's it going? It is episode one of season two of the Why Transfer podcast. And uh, as this airs in July of 2020, you'll notice that uh, when you listen to this first episode, as well as maybe the second and third episode, that they were recorded quite a while ago. And that's because life happened, right? Um, and so a lot of the things that we talked about, happened before quarantine, before George Floyd and, and everything like that, but uh, the information is still so good and, uh, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Uh, my first guest, uh, I am so glad that I had this opportunity to have a conversation with her is April Diaz. and April is uh, known as a uh, leader in ministry, a coach, a consultant, and founder, and I love this title, founder and lead warrior of Azure Company. And she goes into explaining a little bit um, about what that means. But what I really enjoyed about this conversation is uh, April's uh, just joy for life uh, and love for people and her ability to just see things that um, aren't necessarily always clear, uh, to see things that are there on a deeper level. But anyway, uh, yeah. Enjoy. I hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with April as much as I did, so bust out those pens and those notebooks, and let's get started. April, welcome to the YM Transfer podcast. Uh, Congratulations. You are the first guest of season two, um, and uh, we're so glad to have you on this show. How are you doing?
1: Oh my gosh. First guest. That's really fun. Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm great. It is 2020. It's a whole new decade, and I'm here for it.
0: I know it's kind of crazy because um, I'm sure. Well, maybe I'm making a huge assumption there, but you've (laughs) met family who lived in the 1920s or was around in the 1920s, and it's kind of funny to think it's 100 years later, and that uh, like so much significant time that didn't seem so far away is now 100 years away, uh, 100 years ago.
1: Yeah, that's that actually is a bit of a mind trip. For real, but it's, I'm here for it. This is going to be a really great decade. I'm yeah. confident
0: about it. <laughs> no better way to start a podcast than to have a, a <laughs> mind blowing kind of conversation. But anyway, uh, if you guys didn't pick up on the intro, uh, I, today um, my guest on the YM Transfer is April Diaz, and she is founder and lead warrior of Azer and Company. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit more to that too. Uh, she is a coach and a consultant, um, but April, uh, for people who are not familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about like what that means being founder and lead warrior and uh, a little bit about Azure and Company and what it is you do.
1: Yeah, well, um, the title is because I gave it to myself. <laughs> I started the company last year, which feels good to now finally say it was last year. We are officially 10 months old um, and I birthed this little company in March of 2019 named her Azer and Co and ultimately what I am so passionate about and what means so much to me is seeing women particularly live and lead with wholeness and to do that in full partnership with men um, not like women are gonna you know take it all down and And destroy men, and you know, like some crazy feminist thing. Although I I am a pretty good feminist, Um, but really, like, I I, I believe that from the very beginning, when God created women, God created us to be in partnership with one another, and so that's what we're doing. We're figuring it all out as we go, honestly. uh, I launched her with an idea, a vision, a name, but that's about it. And really, I felt like God asked me to trust Him that we would build this company in the company of other warriors and other allies. And so it's felt very vulnerable for me, honestly, in the last 10 months or so um, to start a company without all of the things that people say you actually should start a company with. Um, But I, yeah, I want to see women live and lead with wholeness and just kick butt in all spaces. And so I founded the company, which is why I have that title and then um, I'm committed to lead it um, as as the fellow Azer, um, as another warrior in the whole deal. So I just gave myself those titles because CEO felt a little bit too cold and far away and also a little grandiose when you're like a baby, baby company. But yeah, that's how we're rolling
0: well and let's face it too when you when you start out a company and it's just you or maybe right. you and a couple of people, you have to encompass so many different roles and so right. when I look at founder and lead warrior i mean right you're you're the lead warrior you're not the general you're not the captain you, you yeah. you've got to encompass it all so that that's that's awesome that, that's yeah. really cool um you know and, and uh, you know, we'll we'll jump back to what you were doing before that and everything. But, you know, you mentioned something about um, all the things people tell you about starting a company. And uh, I want to kind of ask you about that because I feel anytime you're starting a project, anytime you're starting a company or an initiative, people are going to jump in and they're going to give you a whole bunch of uh, like thoughts and feedbacks and and advice. And it sounded like there was some that, not that you dismissed, but it, it was just kind of like, uh, that, that comment struck me of, so what did you mean by all the things people told you about and what are you learning? What worked and what didn't work?
1: Oh my gosh, great question. So, I mean, I've never started a company from nothing. Um, really for 20 years, I have built other people's visions and I've taken like the, the root idea of other visionaries and I have designed it and developed it into real life. So I've got 20 years of experience in doing that and I've loved it. It's been so awesome to just take like this raw idea and to actually make it into something and to have people engage and follow and participate in that. But I've never actually started something from scratch on my own. And so there's just a whole bunch of things people tell you to do, like have a vision statement and a mission statement and a business plan and values and maybe a financial model and a specific set of core products that you have and we literally had none of that um, it was the name which was full of vision for me and the image of a butterfly representing transformation and breakthrough um, and growth and that was really at the heart of it um, we launched specifically in march of last year uh, for two reasons one was my daughter who Uh, was nine years old at the time uh, was going to do a current events presentation speech at her school third grade and so she had to write this little speech about something that was happening currently and we looked at the calendar and the day that she was presenting was actually going to be on international women's day and so she came to me and said i think well she didn't she actually didn't know that it was that day but we did a little bit of research there so we discovered it was that day and i said what if you write uh, your presentation on International Women's Day. And she's like, well, what's that about? So she did a little research, figured it out, wrote her little four to six sentences. And the last sentence that she wrote was uh, that, that International Women's Day was important because women are strong and powerful and have made a difference in the world. And she read me that sentence as we were driving um, and I almost lost it. And I was like, she gets it. It was just like this beautiful vision. So that was the first piece. And then about a week later, I realized that March is women's history month and I had never paid much attention to it. Um, which is dumb, but I just hadn't. And I heard God very clearly say to me, if you want to start a company that is for and about women, why don't you join in the stream of what women have been doing for hundreds of years, since probably the beginning of time, and why don't you join in the stream? Because you're not doing anything new. You're coming alongside and you're jumping in the stream of what has already been happening. And I felt like so convicted of, yes, that is true. I mean, I think we'll do some some things that are new and unique for this time and at this moment in history. But um, but then all my excuses came up of like, but God, I don't have X, Y, and Z, all of the things that people tell me to have. And I'm, I didn't even have a website. And uh, didn't have social media handles, like literally nothing. And God just said, would you trust me to build this company in the company of other warriors and allies? And um, I know enough about like how I've been wired and my personality and gifts and all that to know that is like the antithesis of what is natural and comfortable for me. And yet it felt very much in alignment with what spiritual formation looks like in my life. And so I said, yes, God, I'll trust you with that. So we launched uh, March 15th, 2019 and we're figuring it out and yeah, getting, I'm learning so much and I feel like she, Azer & Co has like been gestating in public, like growing outside of my womb and uh, her one year birthday feels like it will be an actual birthday because we've, we've been able to figure out a lot in the last year, but it's been very bumpy for me.
0: Well, we'll be celebrating hard in my household because actually March 15th is my son's birthday, my son Matthew's birthday, so uh, we'll, we'll light an extra candle for uh, the company. There I love we go. It. thanks. Yeah, you, you know, uh, I, I love that. I love how um, it kind of, it came out of not just this, well, I wanna be a consultant, so I'm gonna start a company and I've gotta do a website and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I can, I can relate to that because Marathon Youth Ministry, even, even though we've been a company for three years, um it, it it's it's been this organic process i started blogging yeah. back in 2005 wow um, which early adopter I, I i really hate looking back at those oh five posts because it's kind of <laughs> like this is blogging blah 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 but uh <laughs> and but the what the the blog grew into a site which grew into uh, a book and and a service and so forth beyond that and and yeah. but then really kind of like 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 you said, uh, Marathon Youth Ministry didn't have a vision statement initially because I felt like that name Marathon like had so much in in it as well, and our symbol of shoes, um, footprints, um, uh, as well with that. Uh, you, you know, um, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the? So you, you start this you start this company and uh, the it, it's growing and it, it's accompanying women and and helping develop leaders and, and everything like that. Um what like what were some of the things that you started to provide and do for women? What what were some of the needs that you identified, as specific needs that you saw emerging yeah. as as um Azure like started to, to to grow?
1: Yeah. Well, some of what was good is that like I just I pivoted a lot of the work that I had been doing into specifically working and building and Co. So for 20 years, I have been leading developing teams uh you know designing visions like we talked about um creating content you know writing speaking all of that six years ago i got trained and certified as a coach and i've been doing that um as well for the last several years so there was there was just kind of like a redirection of work that i'd already been doing into this space and so i continued with that part one of the things that was immediately out of the gate that I did was I launched a podcast. Um, My producer came to me and he's like, April, it's time. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm not ready. And he's like, no, you just, you need to do it. Um, You've got a unique take on, on leadership and, um, and ministry and partnership and all that. He's like, just start something and figure it out as you go. So I launched a podcast that was specifically geared towards uh, leaders on the fringe. So particularly women and people of color whose voices have been marginalized, oppressed, and silenced. And I wanted to be able to share their stories um, and how they have been leading, influencing culture, making a difference, but not been getting airtime, literally and figuratively. And um, so I, I did that. That wasn't a, a money-making service that was, but it was a bit of like a developing my heart um, and growing and just contributing and adding some value to spaces. But the coaching stuff I had been doing. So I continued, um, Offering one-on-one coaching I mean we still do that and uh, coaching groups for women who are leading and in any space not just the the faith or the church space but women who are leading in any context and part of what I have realized the longer that I have developed coached trained women is women feel alone they often feel like a unicorn in the work that they do There are a lot of times the only woman on the team, you know, in the boardroom, leading the meetings, whatever, on the team. So there's a deep loneliness and a feeling like, am I crazy for some of the ways that I think and feel about my work and about my life? Um, There's also kind of, I think, tethered into that, tied to that is a sense that um, just that they're not good enough. um, They don't. Think like a man they don't work like a man they um, they have different emotions and I am certainly not someone who is like this is what a girl looks like and this is what a boy looks like um, but I think that the spaces that have been cultivated for women to work in have been so dominantly white male um, and so like women figuring out how to to be enough in that space know that they are worth it and know that they're adding something that's really valuable um is significant so even the need of like owning their voice it's, that's one of the focuses of our six-month coaching group is allowing women to own their voice they don't need to find it they don't need to be given one they simply need to own the uniqueness and the power that they have been given in their voice so i think those are three things there's a number of other uh, of aspects that i I feel like are pretty unique and critical for women, but that's where we're at.
0: But, you know, that's so important because as a coach myself um, and something I learned early on uh, with some of my clients uh, who were women, they would bring these situations and, and, you know, seek my advice on it. And I I, I would say things that um, were not helpful because (laughs) of the privilege I have, right. Um, Where I would be like, just go into your pastor and just be firm with what you say. And yeah, everything will work out and not realizing, you know, that uh, as a white male, like that they're uh, talking to, especially in the Catholic church, talking to another like male, you know, is it, 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 there's different advantages and privileges with that. And so, um, so for me, like, you know, like what you're providing is like, as, as much as I can try to empathize, there's not the same solidarity that what you're providing with Azure is uh, doing as well. Um, And if people are listening and hearing banging, people are working on my roof right now, but anyway, uh, real life. Yeah. Real life, real life. You know, we're not trying to pretend around here, but, uh, you know, um,
1: That's awesome.
0: I'm going to edit that one out. But anyway, uh, you know, but in, 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 um, you know, it's interesting. So you have this voice, you have this passion, um, and you know, we've mentioned previous work before you started Azure, um, and you've worked with some uh, really well-known churches like Willow Creek, and organizations like Fuller uh, Institute, and uh, um, you know, uh, uh, partnered along organizations like uh, Stuff You Can Use, Grow, and, and Youth Cartel. Like, where, what were some influences? Um, into your voice? Like, um, you know, of course there's your faith and I don't want to diminish that by any means, but what were, who were some people, what were some situations that really yeah. fed into your voice and built your bold and uh, boldness and, and courage?
1: Yeah, it's that's a great question. And what's been interesting is um, I have collected a lot of mentors along the years, along the way. And I feel like I just kind of accidentally did it. Like, I don't, I don't think it was an intentional deal. I've I've always been really hungry to learn and grow and kind of reach my potential and all of that kind of stuff. So, and I'm, I'm really curious. Like I actually think it's my become my favorite characteristic of another human is curiosity because curiosity opens up so much. Um, so I think, In my first seven years of like vocational ministry, working at a church, my first boss was a woman. Her name was Jeannie Stevens, and she brought me on as an 18-year-old to lead in youth ministry. And I obviously had no idea what I was doing. And I had just graduated from high school, and now I was leading like 150 high school students. It was stupid. But she just spent a lot of time with me. Um. In, I mean, I lived with her and her husband for a bit of time. I, I met with her every single week. We had like meetings at her home every week. Like there was just a lot of investment in those early years. And I think particularly having a woman as my first boss was incredibly influential, informative, and I didn't really realize it until years later. Um, I also was able to watch a lot of women from a distance do things that I'd never seen them do before. So when I was at Willow Creek in the late nineties, early two thousands, a thousand years ago, like some of your listeners were born then. So that's always humbling and centering for me, like good God. Um, but Nancy beach and Nancy Ortberg were just like icons to me. I mean, they were, I saw those women leading and teaching in ways that I'd never seen before. And it gave me vision for what was possible. Um, but at the same time, I had men that were really strong, walk with me and believe in me. And I think that that was so necessary as a woman, because I had very clear boxes, ceilings, restrictions that I entered into leadership, teaching, ministry with, and I needed for men to help break down those boxes for me. So in 2004, I moved to Southern California, my husband and I. And I started working at New Song Church and Dave Gibbons was, uh, the senior pastor, lead pastor. And he really believed in me. I was 25 years old and, um, I had uh, six, I think, no, I think I had six roles in 10 years on my, during my time there. And I was the first female on our executive staff. Um, I was an exec- became like the first executive, uh, or female executive pastor. Oversaw, you know, everything in the daily operations and that had never been done before I got women on the elder board for the first time um, and so He was really catalytic and influential for me to be able to see what was possible beyond me um, hendrik Kotze is my coach uh, He's also my partner now in our the coaching training that we do for spiritual leaders and he was a man who came alongside of me and helped me imagine what was possible beyond what I had presently seen. And, and so I think both men and women have been really critical.
0: I, sorry to jump, in, but go, like, go. In, in what ways did he, like he help you imagine? You know, um, there, there's a couple of questions I have about mentoring that you sort of like just touched upon. But like, just to start with that. Like, in what ways did he help you think bigger? Because yeah. sometimes I think that's the challenge, right? We're so yeah. busy, we don't yeah. think bigger. Um, yeah. So how did he help you do that?
1: Yeah, well, first, I had never experienced coaching before Hendry. And Hendry is, is literally a world class coach. Um, he has incredible experience. He's trained over 5000 coaches globally. He's worked in like 30 countries coaching. Um, he's, he's done he's provided coaching for like 20 to 30,000 individuals in different contexts and formats. I mean, he's just brilliant. But um, I knew him, (laughs) so I, part of what I didn't have imagination for is I always thought I would be in full-time youth ministry in a local church. And that was a box that I had created for myself, um, in part because I felt called to it in, you know, at a certain point in time, but also because um, that's all I thought that I could do. Um, And particularly as a woman, there are so many restrictions and limitations often for us that like when you find a space that you can lead in like you want to hold on to it and not let go of it because you're like if i if i let go of this like am i going to be left empty-handed and so there were some very clear like self-limiting beliefs and limitations that i had and coaching is a behavioral science it is an actual like developmental science to help people be transformed and so Hendry and i started working together. Um, On a project for our church, recreating spiritual formation and leadership development. And as we were meeting, I was like, I need you actually for my life, not just for the stuff that I'm developing, these processes I'm developing for our church. I need you to help me imagine what is possible beyond what I'm presently doing. Um, Because I could sense that I needed to make a transition, um, but I wasn't sure how to do that because all I had ever known was full time local church ministry. And I, I thought maybe I, I could or needed to do something different, but because I had no training experience or imagination for what that could be, I needed for him to kind of coach me into a process to build a bridge from where I was and figure out where it is that I wanted to be.
0: That's awesome. That's, that, that's really cool. Um, you know, I, I, and, like, I know I've been there myself, right? Because uh, yeah. I've always, um, I've been in local church ministry for, yeah, 15 years. And um, uh, and um, people have always been like, I'll never forget this. This was actually a wound that turned into a chip that turned into uh, motivation. Uh-huh. Um, my, the summer after my first year of youth ministry, uh, I knew that the Lord had me in the right place. And I think I've shared this story um, in different capacities before, but I went Uh, I took students on this mission trip, you know, um, and um, I had a mission trip that I had been a part of as a kid. um, And I met the organizer, the organizer, she was there. And um, I got a chance to just say, Hey, thank you so much for creating this opportunity. It was so formative for me as a, as a teen. um, And I believe one of the reasons why I eventually got into youth ministry and and she was like, Oh, well, thank you so much. And she was kind of like, You know, well, like, what what are your plans? And so I started sharing plans for the youth ministry and everything. She's like, no, 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 no. What are your plans for when you're done with youth ministry? And I was like, I'm not sure. I understand. And she's like, well, it's not a sustainable career. Uh, So are you going to get into teaching or business or things like that? And at the time I had just met Doug Fields, who is a good mm-hmm. friend of mine. And, and I was like, well, Doug Fields has been doing it for like over like two decades. And she was just like, yeah, but he's written a thousand books. And, and so she was just squashing the dream, you
1: yeah, know? And, right, and,
0: right. and just saying like, what's the conventional path you're gonna take because everyone else before you has taken that conventional path. Mm-hmm. path, and I remember being so like uh, disenfranchised by that and then determined and then it was kind of like, well, let me do this for a career. But then at the same time, I started to believe, like, well, I'm gonna do youth ministry for for life because yeah. that's what I feel called to. But now it's it's funny how God has sort of poured yeah. into me this like, well, you're gonna you're gonna do youth ministry. You always be a part of the local church because we're called to be a part of a local church, but like let's look at marathon and let's look at how you're gonna accompany and work with other yeah. uh, churches, leaders, yeah. youth workers, or, or you know, and the dream still developing yeah so like that's so important that he was able to get to to help you discover that because it, if we get s- so narrow focused if we put yeah. the blinders on we, we're going to miss so much of the world around us
1: yeah i that's such a great point i think that i i also really hung on to like it's youth ministry ride or die till jesus comes back right or until <laughs> yeah. i die you know yeah yeah the professionalization of youth ministry has been a beautiful thing, but I also, I feel like it, it limited my own imagination Mm -hmm. because I, I assumed this responsibility that like, I can't abdicate that um, and go towards something else. Cause I don't ever want to view this as a stepping stone. And, and I think that that's a healthy mentality, but it's not good when it holds you back from taking the next step. And so, the reality is is like I I will always love students, I will always love teenagers. I have a kid who's gonna be a teenager in a hot second, so I'm when we live in that dream. But also, like it's not about the thing, it's about how you have been created, wired, gifted. And that's the primary responsibility is to lead that out and to create and form that, not to just do the thing. And the thing for me for a lot of years was youth ministry and then the local church but the bigger things need to be considered um, and not get sucked into that vortex. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, 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 no. It definitely, it definitely does. Uh, it, it's, it's almost kind of like, there's nothing wrong with being a lifelong youth minister no. or working in a specific job for your whole career. There's, there's sure. a lot to that, but it's also being open to the fact that God can call you to another place mm-hmm. or to yep. another career or another path. And, and I think, You know, one of the reasons why sometimes churches or ministries get in trouble is because we find a successful path or structure and we think that that's no longer going to, you know, that no longer needs to
1: change. You know, and I've
0: even uh, talked with a lot of youth, youth workers on the fact that where for a long time, our jobs might have been program directors or um, networkers or anything. Now it's it's more of a, a role of advocacy and um, yeah. leadership development, and 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 that advocacy doesn't necessarily have to be within your own local church, but even for the the, the broader picture. And and, and that's yeah. that's similar to like what you're doing is where you started in in, in local church ministry, and now you're advocating for um, for people on the fringes, specifically women. Uh, you know and yeah. uh, and, and, and creating that platform which hasn't yep. existed has been dominated by you know one group for so long and and i think that's huge yeah. um yeah. I, and, and i, I kind of want to jump back though because you were talking about like mentors and um and how they kind of accidentally came into your life and everything like that but like you know and and, and obviously god was introducing these people into your life but do you think that was because you of your own personality of being able to connect and network with different people and just interact with other people or, um, you know, I could imagine a place like Willow Creek or new song because of their stance and, and and who they are surrounded you with leaders. Um, you think it was one more than the other, or or if you could speak a little bit more to that, like, just, it seems like you have this wealth of people you could choose from or connect with uh, for mentors.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I do think that has been an advantage that I've had is being in places where there have been a lot of leaders. And I know that there's a lot of folks that are in, you know, much smaller contexts, either in a, in a job or in a community where there's not that as much. However, um, I've been pretty ferocious about learning in all kinds of spaces. So, um, you know, podcasts are a great place now to be mentored by voices that you don't have access to books I'm I am dogmatic like emphatic about reader leaders must be readers um you got you can listen to stuff for sure but I think that there's something really powerful about actually like reading something and um and so I've I've made a commitment to just read more than I can even put into practice because I want to be transformed by that um so I think like how however you learn from all kinds of different places like just having that posture of of learning what somebody can teach you, how they can help you, um, movies, you know, just everyday life experiences. Uh, I've got five neighbor mamas that live just like on our block and we're very different from each other, very different, but we all have kids the same age. And so it's like Lord of the flies outside of our house on a regular basis. Kids are just running wild. But these our neighborhood mamas and I um, are committed to learning from each other. So we're we do a book club together now. Um, we're asking each other advice on you know just silly things like but life things like meal planning and how much do you spend on your groceries and like you know where do you where do you help your kids like with their dentist you know just silly things like that. but there's a my point in that <laughs> in ridiculous illustration is I think that you can learn from anyone. And when there's this posture of like, I need to grow and I need help to do that. Um, it can't come intrinsically from within that you find a way um, you can figure out where to find those, those voices. So yes, there's been a lot of folks that have directly invested into me and poured into me. Um, but it's also been from a lot of people and places and things that are a little bit untraditional.
0: Well, and I think there's two things to take away from there. One is the fact that um, we as leaders need to surround ourselves with leaders. So go yeah. where leadership is healthy and thriving yes. and growing. Yes. And then at the same time, those of us who are leading others need to surround those, uh, those people with leaders ourselves. And I think about that as a parent, right? You know, um, as my wife and I often talk about, who are the men and women adult men and women that we're introducing our kids to like, who are yes. they being exposed to? Because Grant, we love that the fact that they want to emulate and follow us, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. but that's kind of for granted, right? They're around us yeah. for better or for worse, but who are the other men and women we can intentionally intru- introduce into yeah. their lives that can pour into them or at least inspire them to do what God's called yeah. them to do.
1: Yeah. It really does take a village. I mean, it's not, it's a cliche, but it's, it's true for all of us. And mm-hmm the kind of the guiding um, focus for the coaching groups that I lead is that you have to lead yourself to your whole self. That is your responsibility. And I think that over the 20 years that I've been doing this thing, um, a good reason why people burn out or stay in the same place and are stuck um, or don't fulfill the dreams that have been within them is because they're not leading themselves or they're not growing in those skills, maybe they've got some things that are, have been helpful and kind of keep them on course, but that self-leadership deal is critical and it's not taught in seminaries. It's not taught in colleges. It's not, it's not something that like you learn um, naturally. And so there's gotta be, I just think an intensity around how can you lead yourself to your whole self? Because everything kind of rises and falls on your ability to lead well based
0: on that definitely definitely um yeah uh as a leader too like how you know surrounding yourself with other leaders you mentioned leaders or readers and everything like that what what are some like best practices that you've learned in the last couple of years uh and even stuff that uh maybe you haven't yet shared with your, your clients that you feel have helped you balance all the things that are going on in your life right because i think that's one thing we hear a lot, uh, not just the ministry, but is that balance of professional, personal, you know, health, uh, you know, uh, growth, and everything like that. What are some of the things that you've discovered in the last couple of years that have really helped you um, find that balance?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I would say is I actually don't believe in balance. So I I talk how, about how would
0: you uh, how would you what would you say it how would you say it then? Uh, yeah,
1: I yeah I think balance is such a It's so precise and life is bonkers, at least for me and for a lot of other people I know. So the words rhythm, practice, and habits are the three things that are most significant to me. So these aren't maybe necessarily in the last few years, but a rhythm for me is a monthly day of silence and solitude. Um, I have done it for the last 15 years, the first Monday of every month, with the exception of about three or four years when my kids were real little and I was treading water, I, I abdicated that.
0: There's no silence in those times, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it was a wreck, we were a mess. Um, but that has been a rhythm that has saved my soul and has um, catapulted my leadership more than anything. Um, I have a practice of uh, building, cultivating a prayer team of folks who pray for me and my family and my ministry. And I've done that for the last 10 years and it has been an utter game changer for me. It is, it is unequivocally, I don't even know the kind of impact that that has had like supernaturally this side of heaven. Um, But I think that that has been really important and it's something I wish every spiritual leader did.
0: How how have Um, you cultivated that team? Like what, what, like, um, I'm sure that it's pick, you know, working with certain people, getting a feel for that, but how, how, do you, how do you go about starting, like building that prayer team?
1: Yeah, um, there's a couple of things that I have looked for. I've got a whole training on this actually. Um, and I do this with my coaching groups because it, it's, it feels so important to me. It's been such an important factor for me. Um, but the first thing is I, I have to trust their relationship with God um, to ask them to be a part of that. Um, I have to know that they love me and my family and believe in my ministry. Um, Not that they're going to be like just the, the people that, you know, yes, April, we love you. Uh, But just the sense of like, they're for me. Um, And I need to know and see displayed in their life that they are people of prayer. So they will come to me and say like, we've been praying for you about this, this or this, or like we have a sense from God that maybe this is something that you need to pay attention to. And so I've looked for those three things on a prayer team And so I've got about 15 people right now that consistently pray for me my family and my ministry. And I email them once a month and I give them updates and here's some things to be mindful of. And I invite them to share back with me as God gives them permission, what it is that they sense um, that I need to hear. And I think they have protected me from stuff that I don't even know about. They have birthed opportunities for me that I never could have created on my own. Um, They just have been huge. So that is a practice that has felt really important for me to stay centered, tethered, connected. Um, And then a habit for me, man, I've got a lot of habits actually that are intentional. Uh, Behavioral experts will say that about 80 plus percent of your behavior are actually unconscious habits. So I'm continually... Uh, trying to pay attention to the things, to the habits that I have that I'm not even aware of. Um, But a habit that I've cultivated a little bit more recently that has felt really good, really important is at the end of a work week, I determine the top three priorities that I need to accomplish for the next week. And then every day before I finish my day, I determine the top three priorities that I need to accomplish for the next day. And those you know, daily priorities are in alignment with the big three.
0: Yeah. That, that's, that, that's similar to a habit that I've started to develop. And I've been using a, a tool called the monk manual to sort of help with that. Ooh. Um, yeah. And it's is uh, it an app. No, 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 It's, it's, uh, uh an actual physical planner. And, um, uh, so it, I, I came across it a little over a year ago. Um, I was looking for a planner. I was actually looking for an app okay. and, um, a, a buddy of mine, Tony Vicenda, um, recommended that I check out uh do you know Tony or I do well
1: oh, virtually oh,
0: yeah 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 okay yeah so Tony um he uh he's he's such a wealth of resource like random, randomness randomness and, and and like pertinent stuff but anyway I I I was asking him and he was like you gotta check out this thing the monk manual which he would he wasn't even using so I went to the website fell in love with like the video stuff and everything the only downside was it was still in kickstarter phase so, um, but I was sold right off the bat. I invested in it. Uh, Steve Lawson, the founder, I, I called him up. I was like, tell me more about this. You know, I was telling him, uh, you know, I was a coach and everything like that. And he was, he, he sold me the whole, his whole story and the vision um, and everything like that. And, and, uh, and he was saying like, yeah, all this technology is great, but you know, we need to still be intentional about, about our non-screen time and everything. And he had developed it from research off of um, monks in, in monasteries and uh, you know uh, he's, a, he's a believer in, uh, in a Catholic and but this was for everyone and so uh, he talked about how you know we have all these to-dos and priorities but what's most important yeah. what what really matters and bringing that down in a day in a week um, and a month and so it's kind of like how do your daily goals match up with your weekly goals yeah. which match up with your monthly goals which yeah. match up with the big picture right and, yeah. and who you are um, so yeah, I, de- I, definitely recommend that, but the, the, that to me, uh, that daily and weekly yeah. and monthly habit, uh, it, it has been such a, a game changer in, in helping me, uh, not burn out and, and slow. Things it
1: is. Down. And that goes back to self-leadership, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You have to be the one that determines how you fill your days. Yeah. There has to be an alertness and awakeness and awareness of how is it that I'm spending my days because the only thing in the world that is equitable is time. Yes, every single human has the exact same amount of time, but obviously people accomplish and achieve and impact with their time far differently from one another, and I I believe it goes back to that self leadership aspect, and so. Um, I just, I think there's so much work that needs to be done in the world. There's so much goodness that we need to see happen more on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want to, you know, the proverb that says teach me to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. I want to be a wise leader. I want to be a wise woman and I want to use my days in a way that makes the biggest amount of impact and is productive and sees change and transformation happen in people's lives. And so yeah, that, that daily habit for me um, has been big. I also, like, along with that, I don't, um, I okay, I don't do this 100% of the time. I'm continually developing this habit, let's be honest. But um, don't check your email before you accomplish those three priorities. Otherwise, you let other people dictate your agenda and your urgency for the day rather than, nope, these are the things that I know need to be done in order for me to live and lead with wholeness.
0: Yeah. Email is such a landline. I mean, I, I've taken um, my work email off my phone mm, and, uh, that, and, and even been tempted to take personal email off my phone yeah. because, and I don't check it on Saturdays. Um, you know, right. I, I, that was something that was hard when I started at my last church where I told people like, you can email me Friday and Saturday, but like, those are my days right. off. You know, that's when um, I'm doing other stuff or yeah. with my family, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, but that's, it, it's hard. It's, yeah. it's, it's a detox that I think yeah. we have to go to and challenge with that um, for sure.
1: Yeah. That recovery piece I think has also been huge. Like I am a, you know, we have not met before today. We haven't seen each other's faces in real <laughs> life before this moment. So you don't know much about me, but yeah. you might gather. I'm a pretty high energy, intense, driven, goal oriented, get stuff done, visionary. Um, mm-hmm. So there's never a lack of things to do. Um, yeah. And even in starting a company this last year, um, my husband will often ask me at the end of the day, like, um, did you get everything done? And one day I was so exasperated. I was like, I literally never get everything done. Like, are right. you kidding me? Like I'm building a company with incredible vision and ideas of what I want to see happen. No, I'm not done. And I snapped at him and he looked at me like, hey, crazy lady. Um, but he, he said, why don't we try to reframe that? And so now part of that, that top three priorities deal is, Yes, I did get done in the day. Did I get all the things done that are on my list forever and always? No, but that that's, I need that recovery in order to be sustainable, you know, and lead well over time. And so I've been increasingly like committed dogmatic intense about making sure that I've got recovery time. Um, because I want to bring my best, not only to my work, but to my family and, um, the work is easy to invest in because it's, you know, more praiseworthy and mm-hmm. there's money attached to it and all kinds of things that are not great for leaders. But, um, I want to be good in all of those spaces and with my favorite four people on the planet and, and to do that recovery has to be a rhythm, a practice and a habit.
0: Yeah. You, you know, I sometimes, uh, I'm starting to think that productivity is the new earthly treasure that we try to store mm-hmm. up. And at the end of the day, like it doesn't come with us. You know, God doesn't say, well, April, yeah. you know, you, you worked 20 more hours than Chris yeah. did. And, yeah. and therefore here you sit at my right hand, you know, it, 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 it but it, it is one of those things where, yeah, um, I've had this conversation with my wife a ton of times. It's like, all right, what did I, what did I really get done? And even not what, did, what did I get done? But like how, how did I sit in the day and see what God did? You know, like yeah. how did I sit in, in the day and, and observe what my 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 sons went through and yeah. and uh, and and you know uh, yeah. like you know or am I just so anxious to get to the next day so I can like yeah. continue to progress forward? And it, it's easy for us to get lost in that. And uh, yeah, I, I think um, on top of learning how to be more efficient and effective, we also have to learn how to be. Um, still and quiet at the same time.
1: One of the questions that I'm asking my advisory board to kind of guide me with is, Mm. um, do I like who I'm becoming Mm. as I build this company? Wow. Because I, I love the work that I'm doing right now, you know? Um, but what is the benefit if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's a question that You know, I'm asking myself that I'm listening to my husband with, that my advisory board is, that's part of their role is, is looking after my health, my wellness. Um, But do I like who I'm becoming in the process? And if that, if that's a no, or I don't know, or a like there's, you got some recalibration to do. And that self-leadership again is, is where it's going to rise and fall for you. And it's, you can't ignore it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, so we're going to take a little bit of a pivot in the conversation. You love know? it. As much as I'd love to talk about leadership, but you pivot. mentioned them just not too long ago, but your favorite four, right? Your uh, yeah. fab four. And, uh, uh, you know, that's your family you're talking about. And um, before we started recording, uh, you said that for you today of when we're recording, which is February 15th, is...
1: January 15th.
0: Uh, January 15th. Don't no, jump us ahead of us. Jump a month. in a month ahead Good Lord, yeah.
1: no. January
0: 15th. Uh, 15th is the nine-year anniversary of something special for your family. Um, And uh, not just for your family, but an important issue and and passion of of yours personally. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Tell us a little bit about what's going on today.
1: Yeah, so nine years ago today, our family of four stumbled off of a plane at LAX. um, And we brought our oldest two kids home from Ethiopia on this day. So we were home forever together together. Uh, for the first time nine years ago and that trip home was exceptionally memorable. Um, 40 hours on a plane um, or on planes um, traveling with two little strangers who were now our children and had our names and had U.S. passports. Um, But yeah so today I'm a little bit in like reflective like sentimental nostalgic mode because that day was very sweet like collapsing off of the plane into friend's arms as we like we're a family of four, instantaneously, um, but certainly, yeah, it's a it's such a bigger like heart and passion for me with um, how our, how God has formed our family.
0: Yeah, and and uh, you know one of the terms you you mentioned when we were uh, talking right before we hit record was theology of adoption. You know, and uh, and it, can you tell us a little bit more of like what that means or like uh, like what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So before we started our adoption process, which was. I don't know, 12 plus years ago now, um, I had never paid attention to the themes, the theme of adoption in scripture. And certainly in the New Testament, there is um, reference to how we have been adopted by God. Um, you know, there's popular worship songs about how we are no longer orphans. Um, I cry every time I hear that freaking song because it's just like, yes, how we have been, you know, grafted in, how we have been. Um, taken into the family of God, um, as, as his children. Um, but even like throughout the pages of scripture, like I had never paid attention to how Moses was adopted or how Esther was adopted or how Jesus was adopted by Joseph. You know, I mean, there, there's throughout the pages of scripture, such rich, um, language and, and theology around how it is that we become family um, and how we, even if we don't share bloodlines, you know, that there is a, there's a forever sense of we belong to one another and we care for one another and um, we're brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, even when it doesn't necessarily make biological sense.
0: No, that's that's good. That's all, you know, and I never thought about that, too. Um, But as you started to point out those examples of adoption throughout scripture and and how that's so important and, um, you know, and uh, um, and and I think it it is important of like, you know, we are not we are individuals. We're all children of God, but we're also a part of this greater family and, Mm -hmm. and this bigger connection. It's how are we loving and caring for one another and I mean, this kind of takes us back to um, what we initially were talking about uh, with, with um, you know uh, the creation of uh, Azure and company. But um, you know you mentioned your podcast, uh, um, Glo- the Global Fringe, and you've yeah. got this passion for people who are on the fringes, people who um, you know have been ignored or, or, or misled and everything like yeah. that. And um, I I, I want to bring it back to. Um, specifically with women, right? And uh, 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 femininity and everything. Because, you know, with the women's movement, with the uh, emergence of, um, you know, just women standing up and, and, and claiming, you know, what's theirs and, and speaking up and growing in leadership and, and, and the world changing around us, uh, there is this term femininity or uh, uh, feminist. And, uh, but what I've learned as a guy, I'm just gonna pull the, you know, guy yeah. card here, right here. Dallas. Is that feminist doesn't mean one thing, right? It means uh, or how people have interpreted it, right? So when you're talking about feminist leaders, you know, um, or femininity or embracing uh, your uh, your femininity, like what do you mean by that? Because I think so many, especially guys, I can definitely speak yeah. for guys on this, will shut down because we're like, oh, here I go. Someone's gonna make me feel guilty about who I am. Someone's gonna yeah you know, tell me what I've done wrong, but it's not necessarily that, right? I mean, it's, it's something more. Um,
1: No, it is more. And, you know, the reason why I named this company Azer and Co is because both of those words matter to me, you know, Azer is a word that's used in the old Testament. It's a Hebrew word. It's used 21 times in the old Testament and it's first used in Genesis two to describe woman. And in our translations, it often translates Azer as helper or helpmate. Um, but it's used 16 times in the Old Testament to describe God. God is our Azer. And so, a word that has been used to describe woman, a helper who is suitable for him, has been used to put women in a subservient, subordinate, secondary place. And that is just simply not possible because that's not who God is. God is not secondary, subordinate, or supportive. Um, God is our helper, yes, but it is not something that is less than. And so I wanted to reclaim that word that when we were created in the beginning, we were created as helpers. And that word, Azer, is often also translated in the Old Testament as rescuer, as warrior or as a strong helper and literally in other translations of Azer, it will say strong helper but it hasn't been translated like that in in genesis 2 for the bibles that i have read so it is it is about that for women i don't want for women to become like these you know angry screw men we don't need you we actually we need each other and that's what it has been from the beginning so that's the the company part, you know, like this is, and a company of others. We don't do this alone. We are better together in partnership with men. Um, So I think that it is a distinctive about who we are. Yes, I'm a thousand percent empowering women to live and lead in all spaces in full partnership, Um, but it's not at the expense of. And I think that my hope for men particularly, white men particularly, is that they would join us and use their power and privilege and their voice for the sake of ours. Mm. Um, because what has happened with women, if you just take a cursory like scratch at what is happening to women globally, um, it is, you cannot argue the fact that women have been oppressed, marginalized, abused, silenced. Um, their rights have not been the same as. So clearly we have a problem um men feeling bad for themselves is not helpful. Um men feeling like they're going to have power taken away from them or that you know th- the gig's up on them like that's not helpful. What is helpful is when men like you and my husbands and so many others that I know go this is not about this is not a zero sum game. This is not a win and lose scenario. It's actually about going back to the beginning. And what has been intended from creation and what has been redeemed by the cross and what is part of the restoration of our world now and so that's what i want to be about with azar and co
0: see the one word that stuck out to me as you were talking was partnership right uh because leaders are not individuals they're a partner to someone or something else and and something greater and you know, it could be two men, it could be a man and a woman, it could be people of the same color or whatnot. But the thing that's awesome about partnership is it's not the coming together of two uh, people who are exactly the same. Yeah. Partnership is two different people coming together to create something great, something one and unique. And uh, we see that in successful marriages. Mm -hmm. We see that, um, you know, with successful leaders out there that we might see as an individual, they usually have a partner, whether it's a mentor, a coach, a spouse, a friend who compliments them and challenges them in so many different ways. And, and, and I think once we start looking at, um, you know, like for, for men, we have to be better partners to women or white men or white people. We have to be better partners to people of different ethnicities and colors, uh, that, then it's less threatening because it's not the replacement of who you are but it's a compliment it's a complement to who you are and it's going to enhance make you better yes
1: Uh, yes. i think that that's part of it is i think that um when there is a uniformity um a, a singular you know gender color ethnicity we are missing so much of who God is, um, mm-hmm. and we don't get to see the image that has been placed in that person. Right. And so I that that's why the global fringe started. Um, that is what we're all about with Azer and Co. Um, I actually call men who think like this, you know, believe this, want more of this. I call them allies. So the women, you know, I call Azers, and then the men I call allies, and. Trumper Longman III has a really beautiful like description or translation of ally. Mm. He says, um, when I think of an ally, I think of men and women standing back to back against the wilds of chaos as God's image bearers who bring goodness and order in God's name. And that's what I think it, it needs to look like is like standing back to back. Like we are, we are fighting on behalf, of goodness and of the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven we're not we're not fighting each other like <laughs> there, yeah. there is a fight against powers of, of darkness and evil and division that are that are not a result um, or a reflection of the kingdom of God
0: well and, and that's that, that's the thing right the evil one wants to um uh, spread us out he wants to um uh uh, make us work against one another and it's almost the tower of babel you know all over again where you know we're just not connecting and working together and and, that's so good i I love the back-to-back uh image imagery of that that's Mm -hmm. so good um uh so yeah uh you know and 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 for me you know and i mentioned this before as a a coach consultant a youth minister or father you know every role that I, I I play, every hat that I put on, um, it's been so important to learn from people who are like me, but most importantly, people who are not like me, because I found that um, I am my best self when um, I meet someone who's different from me, because what they do is they challenge me to look Outside of myself. Yep. Right. Because yep. when someone challenges something that you've taken for granted, uh, before you were mentioning these 80% of habits that we do unconsciously, if there's no one to point those out to challenge you on Absolutely. that, then you only know 20% of yourself. Totally. And and, and that's not that's I, I want to know I want to know who God has created. I, I want to know the uniqueness. You know, Psalm 139 says, knit me in my mother's womb. I want to know each thread. That only happens when we really uh, surround ourselves with uh, people who are going to do that. Yeah. So um, I appreciate that. Um, So, uh, you know, this has been a great conversation. I I only have just a couple more questions, something that I I love um, asking other leaders. You mentioned that leaders are readers. Mm -hmm. What um, two part question. First one is what book um, in the last year has uh, totally Changed your world challenged your paradigm, you know, just uh, consumed your life and uh, or if you can not narrow down to one just, you know, maybe a couple but um, what what book would that be.
1: Oh, that's really good. Okay, so the first thing that I would say is I have a Practice um, in the last several years that I will read almost exclusively authors who are women and people of color. And that is because for the first 35 plus years of my life, I pretty much was exclusively learning from white men. So you talk about that thread, man, I I got that. I know that, I know that note that's played. I've not learned enough from women and people of color. So my reading lists in the last several years have been almost exclusively women and people of color. Mm. So I think that that could be a good challenge for some listeners is if you want to, if you want to do some growth and expanse and, you know, have your world blown up in beautiful ways, that would be a great starting point. Mm. Um, I would say the first book that came to mind is um, Ta-Nehisi Coates book between the world and me. Um, He is brilliant Um, African-American man who wrote a letter to his son about what it's like to be a black man in America. And um, I, my Black son is almost 12 years old. And so it is, it's an increasingly important thing for me to know um, the, the world that he is in. Mm-hmm. So that book was very painful, um, very intense and incredibly educational and infuriating that there's so much of what it looks like to be Black in America that I don't know, um, even growing up in our school, in our educational system. Um, the other book, ironically, is written by a white man. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm, I it, do it. There's no I'm judgment done. on
0: that. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: I'm going to be real. I mean, yeah. uh, I read Atomic Habits last year by James Clear, and it mm. is remarkable. I go back to it a lot. Um, but one of the things I actually did realize is in the last year, I've been reading a lot of business books and a lot of entrepreneur marketing, you know, like how do you form something like this. And I have noticed a lot of them are written by white men. Which is also of concern to me, is that um our business has been shaped by a very small perspective and a very small like fraction of our actual culture. So um, so yeah, it, it it's been an interesting thing for me to kind of see like where the gaps are um and us seeing a, a fuller picture of what business and um work can look like from other perspectives.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. Um I, I haven't uh read those books I, I, I've heard of the second one before but um, definitely adding those to my list um, so that, that kind of uh, brings me uh, to similar question but um, uh, what is there a book out there that you've been gifting a lot or that uh, when people are like April you know I want to do what you've done or like uh, that, that you recommend or um, feel like is a great place to start on, on a path of leadership?
1: I actually have a whole list on Amazon that you can share in show notes if you want.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely. We'll, we'll do all that.
1: kinds of different things. Um, you know, one of my favorite books on leadership these days is Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead.
0: Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, have you ever listened to the audio version of that before?
1: I did. I listened to the audio and then I bought the book because I needed to have it in writing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know?
1: yeah, yeah. So I loved hearing or mm-hmm. read it. Um, And again, like it was, it was really refreshing for me because a lot of what I've learned about leadership has been from white men Mm. and hearing, um, and, and some pieces of it have very strongly resonated and have like fit me like a glove. And then there's been other pieces that have felt so foreign to me. Um, and so reading her book just felt far more native, um, Mm. to how I think about leadership and how the kind of leader that I want to be, the kind of company that I want to build um, the kind of team that I want to form with Azer and co. So yeah, I think that that book was really helpful for me a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah. She, um, I would say leader from afar, meaning someone I've never met. She's been the most influential leader okay. from afar in my yeah. life in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. It was funny. I went, I, I was speaking at a, a conference and a, another guy that was co-presenting with me. Used a little uh, uh, animated short of hers on yes. um, empathy. Uh, empathy, right. And I was just like, and I had heard about Brene Brown. I didn't know much about her. Went home, talked to my wife, who's an HR. And she's like, of course, I've been reading Brene Brown for years. And, and so <laughs> we just started talking about her. I, I, I started reading her books and then her Netflix special came out and wow. uh, I laughed. I cried through it. It was just, it was yeah. awesome. And um, yeah. so much of how I've approached, uh, not just coaching with Marathon, but you know, even uh, relationships I've had, uh, she she's just so much wisdom and, and yeah. such an amazing. Per- would love to meet her one day uh, yep, for sure. Totally. But, uh, totally. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. She's that's one totally of my
1: patron cool. saints. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah, you no, can say that. Like... You can
0: say that. You know, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, but uh, that th- that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, so. Another question that I like to ask, and, and this is uh, influence of my wife uh, and her HR background. Um, so if you were given any superpower um, to use um, in your like career, so with Azure and company and, and everything like that, um, what would that superpower be and, and why?
1: Ooh. OK, my answer has always been teleportation. That's what a but lot I... of people
0: say, yeah. Yeah. Or levitation. <laughs>
1: Levitation? no, I don't have it. But I've I've traveled enough in the last six years to be like, man, it'd just be great if I could click my heels and get to another place. Mm -hmm. But you frame the question differently. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say like a supernatural or a super powered empathy for people. Okay. To really understand what it is that they want and need. Mm -hmm so that we could create it all day long for A's and Co. You know, Mm. that that feels like such a um, mystery box for me in some ways, even though I am a woman, I am a leader. um, I, I know that there's so much work to be done and I don't wanna waste any time creating, providing, offering things that aren't like so, people are so hungry for that it just catches like wildfire. So I think that, that empathy piece would be my superpower.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. One last question. Okay. And this is an odd question. I'll frame it as that. You know, usually <laughs> we ask people, what would you tell your, you know, 20-year-old self or, you know, like yourself 10 years ago? What would you tell yourself if you could travel forward in time? What's something that you'd like to tell your future self?
1: <gasps> oh, that's such a good question. listen to your body and take care of her because she will carry you through these next 10 years and you will be stronger and healthier if you listen to her. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I just turned 40 last year. So that's, you know, I would hit 50 in 10 years and I think that the forties, um, that's an important piece i believe that the spirit of the living god is resides within me and it is my physical body is the way that i get to carry myself through life and and i i have not and i think a lot of us have not done a good job of paying attention to you know aches pains tiredness you know mental well-being in ways that if we would going back to self leadership Um, it would change the trajectory and the outcomes for us um, in ways that would be really beneficial for the world. Yes.
0: Awesome. Well, that's a, that's a really great place to to wrap up and uh, April, this has just been a joy and uh, a pleasure and uh, we'll definitely um, in the show notes uh, link, uh, you know, uh, all these, uh, so many great resources. It took so many notes and everything like that. (laughs) Um, But April, well, if uh, people want to reach out to you um, and they don't go to the show notes and they're just listening on their uh, yeah. iTunes or uh, Shopify account, like uh, uh, sorry, a Spotify account, Spotify. Um, Spotify, uh, what, where is a good place to reach you? What's a great way to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. So you can go to easy E-Z-E-R-A-N-D-C-O, um, dot com. And like all of our coaching stuff is on there. The podcast is on there. Um, speaking, et cetera. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Azar and co. We've got a Facebook group that is just fantastic. It's growing every day. So our, it's a private Facebook group. You have to request to join it, but it's, um, Azar and co. So
0: awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll definitely, uh, be in touch. And even though it's amazing, our first conversation is, is recorded, but, uh, you know, uh,
1: or the recorded. history books.
0: I look forward to many, many more. But uh, April, again, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. And uh, thank you to everyone listening. We'll see you next time. Peace. We thank you for listening to this episode of the YM Transfer podcast. And if this is something you enjoyed, we encourage you to go to our iTunes page to leave a review and to know that you can subscribe at iTunes or anywhere else this podcast can be heard. And of course, you can go to Marathon Youth Ministry. Dot .com to hear past episodes. And lastly, we encourage you, of course, share this with your friends, your families, your coworker, anyone else you know who might benefit from this podcast. We would be eternally grateful. Thank you.